All right, Deuteronomy chapter 5. My job, my task today is to not only speak to our fathers as it pertains to the Word of God, but to encourage all of us to embrace what it means to be a father that's built by God. Now, all of us have a relationship with people who are fathers. You either are married to the father of your children, or you are still blessed to have your father living. But no doubt, none of us are here without a father. We all had, at some point in time, regardless of the relationship, everyone here has a mother and a father, or you're not here today. It's part of God's perfect plan the structure of a family is not a political thing. It's simple science. It's simple instruction from God's Word. A mom and a dad, a husband and a wife that have children. It's very simple. And in God's structure and in God's perfect wisdom, He put the weight of responsibility of the head of the home, as the Bible describes it, the high priest of the home, on the shoulders of the father. The buck has to stop somewhere. The responsibility has to fall somewhere. And no doubt there is a joint effort between husband and wife as they raise children. But at the end of the day, uh, the person who will give an accountability report to God is the father, the husband of the home. And so this message today is not just for dads. If you plan on being a father one day, you need to pay close attention to what God defines as a godly father. If you are married and you're waiting for children to come, you're still praying about the right time, this is a wonderful opportunity for you to prepare your heart before your children come. And then if you are living, obviously, in this day and age, and God has blessed your home with children, then this is an opportunity for you to raise the red flag of warning in your own heart and allow the Holy Spirit of God to assess you Remember, this is not Winston's assessment. This is not your pastor's assessment. It's not the denomination of Baptists that's assessing your heart. It's God Himself that's assessing each and every heart, soul, and mind that's in the building. And for that, I say praise the Lord. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 5. There's a principle here that we'll read given to us in the new generation In the Mosaic Covenant, there's some language here that God gives to Moses to speak to the children of Israel. And there's a verse here that I think is a great place for us to build and go forward, but it's a principle that no doubt God has with intention and purpose in His Word. Go to verse number 15. gives you a little context. And remember that thou wast a servant in the land of Egypt. This is Moses speaking to the children of Israel. And that which the Lord thy God brought thee out, thence through a mighty hand, and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. Honor thy father and thy mother as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee, that thy days may be prolonged, and that it may go well with thee in the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The principle of honoring our Father comes straight from God's Word. It pleases the Lord when we honor our Father, when we make an acknowledgement of the sacrifice of our Father, and it's a commandment that we would remember, that we would look to our Father with reverence and with respect. 
No doubt it's difficult if you're here today and you have a father who is lost and undone without Christ and maybe even your entire life growing up, you had an unsaved dad or an unsaved father. No doubt there is still a place even for lost fathers to see the honor and the respect from a Christian heart towards the authority of the father in the home. It's very difficult to palate. It's very difficult to put into action. But no doubt, all of us are called to honor our Father. God has established that honoring Him is above all our chief end. Our our glory is found in living for God, that He gives us life. But God gives us an opportunity to honor our fathers. I see a lot of resources. I see a lot of opinion. There are many books and essays and YouTube videos and conferences and schools of thought on what it means to parent in 2022, what it means to be a father in 2022, and dare I say even what it means to be a husband, a leader of the home in this day and hour in which we are living. There's a lot of noise, there's a lot of opinion and culture, remember this, will always have something to counter what God's Word has for each father, each husband that's here today. For everything that God has real and established in His kingdom, this evildoer named Satan has something to counter with a foe, with a facade, with something that's phony or fake. And all that is is to lure you away from the simplicity and the truth of God's Word. You simply need God's Word as your guide. I was in the office with Pastor Rory this past week, and we were discussing just how good the Atlanta Braves have been until the past two games. If you're a Braves fan, you know what I'm talking about. And as these men come around, they're handing you a handout for the sermon notes. If you do not have those, make sure you get one in hand. Thank you, men, for helping me with that. But we were talking and thinking and praying even about the service that's coming up and all the things that God's putting together. And we were talking specifically about today. And we were talking about what our fathers really need to hear. And Pastor Rory made a statement and it struck my heart and it was something that made my heart leap. And the moment he said it, my heart just fused. And I knew where we would go today and what the Lord would have for our fathers But the truth is, all of the noise, all of the opinion, all of the opportunity for you to find a way to parent in a particular fashion, for you to lead your home in a particular way. The point is this, there is always an easy way out when it comes to just about anything. There are a few things in life, there is no easy way out. Becoming an army ranger, there's no easy way out. You've got to become an army ranger according to their guidelines. If you want to be an Air Force colonel and be an astronaut, no doubt there are specifications, qualifications, and a process that will allow you to become an astronaut. But when it comes to being a father... The most important, the most vital role in the home as it pertains to structure. There may be an opinion 
to feed a thought or an idea that steps away from God's Word, and it may be easy for you to embrace, but at the end of the day, the only thing you need is what Pastor Rory said in my office. Pastor Rory said, well, they don't need another biography on what this dad did or what that dad did. They simply need God's Word. And today, dads, today, husbands, all of us are called to be men, to be husbands, and to be fathers that God builds, that God prepares. Now, as you get your handout, you'll see it spells out the word father on the side. Now, I don't want just dads to do this. Everyone can participate in this because this is going to give you an incredible prayer tool to pray for a special dad in your life, maybe your own father, and especially the fathers in our church. This is what we desperately need are men that are built by God to be the fathers that God wants them to be. The first letter there is F. Now, this is where we've got to begin. Something has to happen to begin this process of becoming the dad, the father that God wants you to be. To be a father that's built by God means that you must have faith. You must have faith. If you're going to be a dad that is pleasing to God, if you're going to be a dad that leads his home for righteousness sake, if you're going to be a dad that embraces the word of God and the testimony of the Holy Spirit in your home, then you must have faith. First off, you have to have saving faith, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not talking about coming and occupying a blue chair on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. I'm talking about a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. You must have saving faith. Uh, There's a verse in Romans 4. I want to read and give you a little context on this. Therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end the promise might be sure to all the seed. Not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. The faith of our fathers is the hope of our generation. If fathers begin to turn their backs on God, if we lose a generation of saved men full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost that lead their homes in their faith, then we will see the demise or the doom of an entire nation and an entire generation. We must have dads that are first saved dads. God's not going to build you as a father and leave a dirty, nasty, messy, fractured, broken existence. He's going to put the old man to death and bring to life a new man. You can't be built up in God if you do not first have saving faith. It's not step three, it's not step four, it's where it all begins. And it goes for anyone in life. If you're here today and you're lost and undone without Christ, then nothing will ever be what it needs to be. A dad that's lost, a dad that's undone without Christ, if you'll pay close attention and if you'll allow for inspection of your own life, especially if you're living in a home where the mother is a saved person, or there's a child in the home that got saved at teen camp, and they're the only saved representative of that family. No matter what happens on the periphery, if dad, who is at the 
top of God's food chain and order for the home, if dad is lost, then it's hard for anything else to be right. Somehow jobs are always stressed. Money is always kind of funny. Things are always difficult. Things are always hard. There's always something pushing against the family. And if the man at the top is lost and undone, it's very difficult for that family to function in a way that honors Christ. Now praise God for some mothers who come to church without their husbands and bring their children. Praise God for moms who say, well, if he wants to stay home, that's on him. I'll take the initiative. I'll put the kids in the car and I'll take them to church. Praise God for mothers that will do that. But then our prayer would be, God, go get the heart of that father and save him. To be a father built by God, you have to have saving faith. And once you have that saving faith, you are to demonstrate that faith. That simply boiled down means this. When you pull on this campus on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, if that is the first time that God has come up in conversation or if that's the first time a Bible has been visited, or if that's the first time in the entire week that your family is going to pray, then Father, with all love and all respect, you are lacking as a husband, as a leader of your home, and as a father. You must be a father full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, but then it doesn't need to be a surprise when your family gets to heaven that you're there. Your children ought to be able to go into any situation and if someone asks them about their father, they go, well, I don't know a whole lot about my dad, but I know he loves Jesus. He reads the Bible at home, even when we're tired and we don't want to. He prays with us even uh, at other times other than meals. He comes in my, my room sometimes and he kneels down by the bed and we have to pray together. That's the voice of a child. But do you know what that child is noticing? That you're demonstrating that you're living your faith And then it's not just a Sunday activity to check the box. Faith is the essence of everything that God builds off of. There's nothing to build if you don't have faith. You can be a father built by the world, built by culture, built even in your own hands. But if God's going to build you, you've got to be a dad that's saved, full of faith and full of the Holy Ghost, and then demonstrate that Faith. The second letter is A, attitude. Attitude. Now this one is not fun. This is difficult for all Christians, all believers, all of us who are saved, sanctified, but waiting for what? Glorification. We're waiting for these imperfect bodies to be glorified in Christ The day of the Lord that will come where you will never know sin again and temptation again and heartache again and there'll never be depression or anxiety again. Praise God, that day's coming. But while the Lord tarries and we're here in this world, attached to this sorry, rotten flesh that I had to shave at 4.30 this morning, the same guy that gets me in trouble every day of my life, that same guy, do you know this? I'm called from Scripture. Fathers are called from Scripture to have your attitude, your response to the things of this world in check with the lifestyle that Christ desires for you. Your attitude is vital. How you respond to life as a father must be in line with who Christ is and what Christ expects of you. 
it's going to get real quiet, but this is the truth of God's Word. We're called to display the fruits of the Spirit, not just when we're in church, but when the door is closed at home, it's 9 o'clock on Saturday night, and the pressures of life come. The attitude of the Father can set the tone for the whole house. Yeah, the old adage goes, if if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. That's right. Praise God when mama's happy. Everybody in this room say amen. 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 Now, mama can be happy and in rejoicing in the Lord. And what can happen in an instance? Daddy comes in the room. And he's been at work all day long. He's hot. He's sweaty. He's tired. And he opens up a bill and it's three times what he thought that bill would be. And he's trying to save to take everybody to Myrtle Beach. That is what we call a life curveball at 97 miles an hour straight to your face. It's tough. It's difficult. You can't pray the bill away. you got to pay the bill. But you still have to be a father whose attitude is under the control of the Holy Spirit. So your response to what in the end will be a very minimal problem, a very minimal issue will say much more to your children than what happens when you're sitting on a pew in church. Those are the other little ships that are on the sea of life watching the big daddy ship go through the storm. It's the way you respond. And it's the example you're setting for your whole family. If you respond in anger then don't be surprised when the teacher at school calls you and says, little Johnny just belted little Timmy in the mouth. They're replicating, they're duplicating the atmosphere and the attitude of what's at home. Fathers, your attitude can make or break a home. If you're encouraging, if you're going through life, and even when it's tough... You find an opportunity to give God glory. You talk about a home that is protected from strife and from anger. Your attitude, dad, husband, it matters. So what should be the approach? When the fastball comes in at 97 miles an hour like Kenley Jansen has just thrown it, and it's coming so fast you can barely see it, what are you going to do? There's three things you can do very quickly. Number one, fathers should go to God in prayer. Don't allow your emotions, don't allow your feelings, listen to me now with all love, do not allow your human emotions and feelings to be your knee-jerk response. Christian men are called to be fortified in our emotions, fortified in the way we respond. And when the problem comes, especially when it's the whole family in the know, when mama and daddy and all the children... They all know that there's a problem. How dad responds will say everything that needs to be said. And your knee jerk, your emotion, your response to these problems, and it may even be the death of a loved one. It may be a cancer diagnosis. It may be something as a financial problem. But your response, number one, should be to take your problem to God in prayer. Psalm 86, 7, In the day of my trouble... I will call upon thee, for thou will answer me. That's the response of a father who's built by God. Secondly, you should rest upon God's Word. Rest upon God's Word. 
If you want stability for your family, if you want something that's solid as an anchor that is immovable, then when your family has a problem, when your family has an issue, when there's tension even between siblings or mother and father themselves, go to God's Word. Let it be the litigator. Let it be the source of inspiration. Psalm 119, 138 says, Thy testimonies that thou hast commanded are righteous and very faithful. You can look at your wife, you can look at your children, and you can tell them with all assurance that God's Word is holy, it's inspired, it's infallible, and it is full of faith-building material for your family. But you can rest in that. If you want to find a place to bring all of your petitions, all of your problems, you can rest it on Jesus through His Word. Then lastly, fathers should attend God's house. Fathers should attend God's house. Dads should lead their families to church. Dad, mom, they can't drive. They don't have an app to get an Uber. And until they have a car and the freedom that you give them, if your children are going to be in church, it'll be because you do it. And fathers are called to be the spiritual high priest, the spiritual leaders of the home that say, hey, we're not going to miss church even though we may not want to go. Not because of who's preaching, not because of who's singing, not because we don't want to get a phone call saying, where were you? But because we love Jesus and we want an opportunity to come with our brothers and sisters and worship Him. And if you want to find a place that is free of uh, the world, free of instability, free of lie, free of deceit, you must come to a place called God's house to worship. Now, let's say this. Is there any perfect church, any perfect congregation on earth? If there is, and if I go join it tomorrow, it will no longer be a perfect church. We're all people living in this world, but not of this world. But let me remind you that Jesus Himself spoke over the church, the entity that we are, and said that the gates of all evil, the gates of hell, the gates of wickedness would never prevail against what? The church. So if you want a protective umbrella of hope and inspiration, bring your children to church. I'm thankful for extracurricular activity that God allows us to be a part of. I'm so thankful for baseball, basketball, football, name it. I'm thankful for it. Bass fishing is a great one. Put it in there. I'm with you. But at the end of the day, God will not be interested, Dad, in how many times you went bass fishing or how many times you took your kid to a travel ball game. But God will be interested in how faithful you were to His house. You say, well, that's not very popular in 2022. You better be careful. It's the truth of God's Word. Dads are standard setters. We're trend setters. And we're the leaders of our home assigned to us by God. It's our job to bring our family and come to this house and worship. Psalm 5-7, But as for me, I will come into thy house in the multitude of thy mercy, and in thy fear I will worship toward thy holy temple. It'll show 
it will be obvious where you regard God, how you fear God, how you respect God, by how you handle his word, by how you handle prayer, and by how you handle attending his house. Our attitude is vital. And dad, it falls on your shoulders. The T here in father stands for teacher. Teacher. Now about 90% of the dads just kind of got a quiver. Teacher. Teacher. Did you know that God never intended for the public school to teach your children? Did you know that the responsibility of your children's education, the responsibility of your family's knowledge as a whole, did you know that it's not up to the Secretary of Education, no matter what the government gives us in that office, that's not their responsibility. The Secretary of Education or the school board in your county will not stand before God and give an account for your home. You as the father, the leader of that home, will stand before God and give an account for what your children have been taught, for what's been taught around your table, for how you and your wife encourage each other in the Lord. And if you'll dig deep in God's word, you'll find that political correctness nor social sciences are part of God's eternal, holy curriculum. There are a lot of things that we could probably veer away from and spend more time and attention on God's word with great attention to detail and what God wants and what God says. And it would improve the culture as a whole. God's word is the standard. God's word is the authority. Now, as we go forward, as we grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus, we are obviously called to strive for excellence and greatness for God's glory. And if you're here today and you're a Christian educator, or if you're in public education and you're being faithful to do your job and do it well, I say praise God for you. I pray for you. But at the end of the day, you will not give an account to what that child knows. The dad will. Fathers, that's on you. Dads, that's on you. And as you understand your role as the secretary of education, the chief educator of the house, as you embrace that, what you'll find is a need and necessity to become more available for that role. Homework is very important. Studying and preparing for an SAT is very important. Planning out college trips and where you're going to go to university. If you're going to go, praise the Lord. Go and do it and honor and glorify God. But dads, be a part of that conversation with your teenagers. Pray with them. Ask God to show them the right college to go to. Be a part of that conversation as the teacher in the home. And as you teach your children, teach them to be faithful to God's house. Teach them to be faithful to His Word. Have them in Sunday school. Have them in Sunday school. There's someone here on this campus every Sunday at 9.30 that has studied and prepared to feed your family something deeper. If you're depending on this from the pulpit to be your only source of spiritual growth and strength, then you're malnourished. 
You not only need your personal devotion, but to break off in a small group or to have a group of people that are in the same place of life that you are and to study God's Word with them is vital to a healthy church. Be faithful to be that teacher. The H in Father stands for hero. Now, no doubt you'll have a hard time finding the word hero in Scripture, but no doubt it's a hero that dads are called to be. A father that's built by God is a hero. Fathers, raise your hand. All the fathers, raise your hand again. All the dads. Fathers, you're called to be a hero in your home. There's two groups in your home that require you to be a hero. The first is your wife. Your wife desperately needs you to be the man that God called you to be. And in being what God has called you to be as her husband, if you go back to Scripture in Ephesians 5.25, this is just scratching the surface of that heroism, of that responsibility, of that weight. But look what Holy Scripture says. Husbands, Everybody that just raised your hands, love your wives. Okay, I got that. I'll love my wife. Look what it says after. Love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave Himself for it. You are called to be Christ to your wife, to be her hero to be willing to forgive her, to love her, to sustain her, to help her. It may be that the greatest opportunity you have in life to be a witness for Jesus will be in the way that you treat your wife in front of your children. The greatest evangelism you may ever do in this life may not be on a platform in front of thousands of people, but there is evangelistic work in the role of a father who loves the mother biblically, even as Christ loved the church. And in that witness and in that testimony, your son can learn what it means to love a woman with respect and dignity and honor. Not what he can find on YouTube. And your little girl can watch what it means to be respected and loved and cherished and live in an embryonic protective bubble of love from the Father and not find it in the things of this world and this culture that will instantly turn her out to do whatever the world has for her. But there's no hope of your children seeing that unless it happens In your house. You say, well, I bring my kids to church. If they come every time the doors open, they may be here six hours the whole month. And you expect that to be the bulwark, the great wall, the protection? No, no, no. If that's our assessment, if that's what we believe, then we've got it all wrong. It comes back to the dad's. You're accountable to be Christ in front of your children. Even when days are tough, even when days are difficult, the dead old man stays over there. 
The new man who is rooted in God's word is the prevailing wind and Christ is displayed at the breakfast table, the dinner table, at bedtime, and when the bills come. You're called to be a hero. And in this, not only will you be a hero to your wife, but you'll need to be a hero to your children. If you'll study out Superman, it's definitely nothing to spend much time on. But if you'll look at Superman and all of his encounters, all his heroism, what I notice about Superman is 90% of Superman is just showing up, just being there. I mean, yeah, there's some times he goes into the burning building, he pulls them out and flies out of space. That's great. The point is, in that fictional character, Superman is just simply there. And sometimes what children need is that detail, that attention, and that simple presence of just being there. When I worked in EMS, I can't tell you how many times we would take 911 calls, and it would be for an incomplete 911. And you'd get to the house, fire trucks are coming, ambulances are coming, police cars are coming. You think the end of the world is happening on that street. You get to the front door, EMS, fire, police, we got a 911 call, somebody hang up. Everybody okay in there? And a frantic dad or a frantic mom come to the door and say, what's going on? Well, somebody called 911 from your house. Somebody called 911 from here? Yeah, your house phone, is it 828? Yeah, that's my number. And a lot of times what I would see were children who were put in front of a screen, an iPad, an Xbox. And no doubt, parents are busy. Moms and dads keeping the home together is busy. But when we would have those moments, those conversations with those six-year-olds and seven-year-olds and say, hey, buddy, don't call 911 unless somebody's bleeding or the house is on fire. When we'd have those conversations, nine times out of ten, and I see some first responders that are here, they probably could verify this. What, what I found was what after they got over the shock of the fire trucks and the ambulances, a lot of times they simply would just want to sit and talk. Pay me attention, fireman. Pay me attention, paramedic. Pay me attention, police officer. I've gotten none today. So I picked up and called for help. That's very oversimplified. But it speaks to the truth that sometimes dads, to be Superman, all you got to do is be there. Just be there. And be the hero of your home. The E stands for encourager. There's two ways you'll encourage your home, your wife, your children. You'll do it by showing that you care. I used to build Lincoln Logs, Brother Mark. I, I loved Lincoln Logs. I thought they were the coolest thing ever. Who's ever played with Lincoln Logs? Deacon David, have you ever played with Lincoln Logs? Praise the Lord. I love Lincoln Logs. I probably would play with them today if I had time. But I can remember specifically, I would, Brother Chris, I would take the same little 4 by 4 construction, change a window, put on a different color roof, and I'd go, hey, hey, hey Dad! Check this out! 
It's got a different roof. It's got a different window. It looks completely different. It's a, it's a different build than the one I just showed you 10 minutes ago. And you know what I would find with my dad, and it was such an encouragement, and now as an adult I can really embrace it and understand it, is if he would simply just say, whoa, that's a beautiful build. Keep going. In that encouragement as a father, do you realize what you're doing? You're inspiring your children to keep going, to keep growing, to go after more. If I'd have gone to that, that bedroom on Clinton Avenue and said, hey, dad, check this out. And dad goes, ah, yeah, it's the same thing. What, what are you trying to show me? Buddy, I'm busy. What would I have done? I'd have taken my Lincoln logs, thrown them in the floor, let my mom come in and pick them up later and never played with them again. But because my dad encouraged me with what I had done with my own two hands, before long it became huge monstrosities and more sets of Lincoln Logs and this big, beautiful thing that I could be proud of because my dad thought it was cool. A simple word of encouragement. Even when the pressure of hell is at your feet, even when the pressure of life is weighing you down to a place you feel like you can't breathe, but still being intentional enough to say, great job, keep going. That'll be a way you can encourage, and the benefit of that will be children who are inspired to keep going. Showing that you care, and then lastly, showing that you will forgive. Showing that you will forgive. Now look, I know it's 12.01, and I see the salivation and desire of chicken legs in the eyes of many. It's terrifying. If anybody runs up here and you have ketchup or barbecue sauce in your hand, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run. Not very fast, but I'm going to run. But hey, it's 12.01. Let's get through this together. Let's all take a deep breath. Very good. Now, we don't have Sunday night tonight. Give me just about five or seven extra minutes. Now, here's the greatest part for me personally, about this encouragement that we can offer. Now remember, this isn't just for fathers. This is for husbands. This is for anyone who who may even have influence over small children. You can encourage them by showing that you care. But sometimes the greatest encouragement you can give a child will be to forgive them. Another way to encourage your children is by showing them that you can forgive. The truth is, sometimes parents can be too harsh on a child. The weight and the stress and the pressure of life will build, and it may not have an outlet, and the easiest target may be the innocence of your child. Everybody's human, everybody goes through that. That's part of life, that's part of building a family. But the truth is, the greatest encouragement to them may come in the form of simple forgiveness. Now, some kids, like your pastor, when he was a kid, some still say I am a kid, but when I was a child, I had to be corrected and disciplined more than some of my other friends at school. I know you can't believe that. I had a problem with what is now my blessing and my gift from God. My mouth and words. 
And I would not shut up. I wouldn't stop. And it would get me in some real big situations. And I had to be corrected. And thank God I had a father who loved the heavenly father enough to correct me and tell me that I was wrong. To discipline me and say, you will be better, you will do different. Thank God for that. Or I may not be standing here today. But Pastor Dwight, Dad, stand up. Stand up. I know you're there with the girls. Great standing. So our Pastor Dwight happens to be my dad. I love my dad. He's the coolest dad on God's green earth. My dad can beat up your dad. I love my dad. I've got a great father. And many don't know, but he was in the 20th Special Forces Group in Alabama. He was one bad dude. Tom Cruise ain't got nothing on 1986 Dwight Parrish. (laughs) Mustache and all. That guy. He was dangerous. And when he got discharged from the army, honorably, he came home and he had all of this incredible tactical gear. Incredible stuff. And and there was belts and, and chest harness and boonie hats and boots and all these things. And I I loved those items. They were kept in this big trunk with a lot of other stuff in the garage. And I had a special relationship with the contents in that trunk. All the time I would go in there and I would pretend like I had never seen it before and go and look and just awe and ooh over how cool my dad's stuff was. The prized possession of that entire kit, obviously there were no firearms in that collection, But the prized possession of that kit was a K-bar fighting knife that was mounted upside down for a quick draw in the fighting position. had a leather sheath. It had OD green paracord all the way around it. I mean, it was bad. It was just cool. And you're six, seven years old, eight, nine years old, 15 years old, and you think it's the coolest thing ever. And I did. One day after school, Brother Mark, I came home. Dad was still at the office, and I had that moment of, yeah, I'm going to go look at the stuff. But then I had a lapse in judgment. And I said, I'm going to go outside and play Army, and and I'll just stay close by here on on, on Sleepy Hollow Drive in East Asheville. I'll just stay close. The ball field's down there, ACA, my school's there, uh, the parkway's there, and there's all these woods. And and I'll just play ball, play uh, Army all day long until Dad gets home. I'll wait till it's time to eat supper. And I put that stuff on and went out into the woods to play. But do you realize what I did not know is that there was a particular way to secure that really cool, awesome prized knife that had gone overseas and come back. I didn't know how to handle the weapon. And I took it out. I disobeyed. And I lost that knife. Dad pulls into the driveway. And I'm already busted up. I've dug in all the bushes. I'm eat up with poison ivy. The next three days will tell that tale. And I have desperately searched for this knife. I can't find it. He gets out of the truck. I say, Dad, I lost it. I'm crying. He gets out scared to death. What's wrong? I say, I lost your knife. I lost the K-bar. And instantly, my dad could tell how broken I was 
over losing his prized possession. And instead of saying, how could you? Why in the world? I'm disgusted. Don't even talk to me. Go to your room. Instead of that response, I had a father that had been built by God. And instantly, without asking, I got mercy, I got grace, and I got forgiveness. And he said, buddy, it's okay. As long as you're okay, that's all that matters to me. I forgive you. And I've tried my best since that moment to make up that K-bar knife, to give it back. But I'll never forget the simplistic forgiveness where my dad encouraged me to keep playing army, to keep having fun and being a kid. And parents, if there's no maliciousness attached to the accident, if there's no intent and planned evil and direct disobedience, if there's an opportunity to show Christ, take it every chance you can. It may change the way they live their lives forever. Offer a place of forgiveness. And lastly, and we'll close, is the R. And it stands for reputation. No doubt you need to be a father that has faith. Your attitude needs to be in check. You'll be the teacher of the home, the hero of the home, the encourager. But a father built by God will have a reputation that follows him. Uh, Proverbs 22.1, A good name is rather to be chosen than great riches. The Bible says more than you having a million dollars in your bank account is the name that you carry with you. And if you'll have a good name, if you have a good name, then you must possess godly character. That's the dad, that's the father, that's the husband that you are when no one else is looking. When nobody else can see the screen that you're looking at. When nobody else can hear the conversation that you're texting. When you are by yourself in your mind and in your thoughts. A God that loves you enough to give you the faith is a God that loves you enough to give you a good name for His glory. And it only comes with godly character. A good name comes not only with that character, but it comes with godly courage. And in the day and age we're living, when it may not be popular to stand for righteousness, to stand for goodness, listen to me and we're done. In a day and age where it's difficult to be a God, a godly father, who loves the Lord, who's willing to stand up for the sake of their children, if you're going to be that dad, it'll be difficult. None of this is going to happen on accident. You're not going to be the father, the husband, that God wants you to be on accident. Coming to church is not going to cut it. That's not what will make you the father that God wants you to be. If you're going to be the father, the husband, the dad that your children deserve, that your wife deserves, that the Lord deserves, then you must do it with determination. 
You must do it with purpose and intention. And guys, listen to me with all the love in my heart. Men, we're going to have to find our backbones again and stand with our feet firmly planted and pray the prayer of Joshua daily. As for me and my house, I can't control what that house does. And I can't control what that house does. But as for me and my family and my house, at all costs, we will serve the Lord. That does not happen on accident. And if you want this reputation that God is willing to give, then with all desperation, you must ask Him to lead and guide your life so you can lead and guide your family. And if dads, if this is not who you are, then you might as well load up your whole family and put them in a Boeing 747 and try to get them to London safely. It'll fall apart. This is the prayer of desperation from every father and from every husband in this church. God, give me what it takes to be the dad that you've built. My prayer is that the men of this church, the fathers of this church, that today we would pray and ask God to inspect us. It's like soldiers standing in line waiting for the general to come to inspect. That We would be men willing to allow God to shine His light of truth in every little crevice of our heart. And where there's hidden sin growing like a cancer, we'd say, God, cut it out. I want to change. I want to be different. I want my home to honor you and to please you. And it starts with me. And today I think we'll close the service in a different way. Let's stand all over the building. Miss Angie, you come and play. Let's stand all over the building. I know we've gone over an extra five or ten minutes, but this is how the Lord really sealed it in my heart that we would close the service today. Moms, I know it's not Mother's Day, but I'm going to ask something of you. I'm going to ask you to grab the hand of your husband. Even if you have children at home or that are not at home, no matter your station in life, if you're here today and you're a married couple, the husband and the wife are here. And wife, I want you to grab the hand of your husband. If your children can and they're able, I want you to come find a place and pray. And ladies, I'm going to ask you today to lead the prayer over your husbands and beg God to keep them, to protect them, to use them to lead your home. If you've got babies on the way, if you've got babies at home, this prayer should be the heart cry of desperate people who need God and who want God to sustain their homes for His glory. Let's do that now. Every husband, every wife, Ladies, you lead the way. Grab your men. We're going to have to spread out all over this building. Go deep, far and wide. Spread out.
Men, I want you to kneel if you're able. Ladies, you stand over your men. Stand beside them. You're going to be the prayer warriors today. Let's go all the way in that corner, Pastor Dwight. Push them that way. If you can't come here, but you're here with your husband and wife, I want you to join hands right where you are in the seat. You'll pray from there if you can't come forward. Keep coming this way. Keep coming this way. Sandy, Gary, help me with that aisle. Keep them coming this way. We want everybody to come up front. We're going to take enough time to make this happen. say, Pastor, I've, I've really goofed up at this dad and husband business. It's been a tough year. It's been hard. There's good news today. The Lord can encourage you. He can give you exactly what you need. You can leave today with something in your heart that says, from here on, I want to be different. This is my line in the sand. I want to be the dad. I want to be the husband that God's called me to be. Let's pray. Ladies, you pray over your men. And I'll lead the prayer. Heavenly Father, God, I come into your presence. And Lord, I thank you for who you are and for what you are. Holy Father, we thank you for being a good father. A father full of grace and hope. Lord, we love you today. And we thank you for what you are in the capacity of our father. Lord, the perfect example to all of us. God, I pray today for each and every man that's knelt, God, here in this altar, those that are standing behind, those that are worshiping online, for every father, for every husband that's here today. Lord, we pray a prayer of protection over them. God, we ask you to fortify them, to sustain them. God, that they would hate sin and love Jesus. Lord, that they would put the Word of God in its proper place in the home. God, that they would be faithful. For one day, they'll give an account. God, I pray that you'll find them to be faithful servants, ready to receive a great reward for their labor on this earth. Strengthen these men. Encourage them. God, I pray for their wives and their children. Lord, that they will have a father, a husband to look up to, to cherish, to obey, to trust, to love, and to follow. We ask you to lead God and direct the men of our church like you never have before. God, I pray that you'd help me be the pastor they need me to be. Lord, that I'd follow you above all. Lord, that together we would seek you in desperation for the cause of Christ and the stability of the church. Lord, we love you today. We worship you. We magnify your name. It's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, families. God bless you for your faithfulness, your tenderness to the Holy Spirit. Coming and praying over your family. I just felt led to say this and believe the Lord would have me say it publicly. If you're on the edge 
the end of your marriage. If you and your wife are in a difficult place, men, before you call a divorce lawyer, would you call your pastor? Before you even bring that word up in your home, would you come to this church office and let us pray with you? And I beg you, that's something you're entertaining. If your home's falling apart, that's why the church is here. We'll help you. We'll pray for you. If you're here today and your husband's not here, the father of your children aren't here, they're lost and undone, they're out in the world, I'm praying for you. That God will go get him, save him. So that next Father's Day, He's sitting right beside you. I believe that God's able. The key to this thing is the family. Strong churches do not make, do not make strong families. Strong families build strong churches. I love you. Happy Father's Day. Enjoy time together as a family. There will be no five o'clock activities, no children.